Welcome back, everyone, to our final episode of our Asian Cup coverage for 2023. We have our champions, Qatar, edging out Jordan, beating Jordan three goals to one, three goals for two, Akram Afif, who takes home the golden boot and the golden ball. Laz, you're alongside me, and it's a pleasure to welcome back Sean Carroll as well, who's going to dive into uh, some of the storylines coming out of this tournament. Laz, it's been a great show. It's been a great tournament, and... A good way to highlight Asian football. Couldn't agree with you more there, Nathan. Yes. Uh, hello, everyone listening, and thanks for joining us on the back peg. It has been a heck of a tournament, that's for sure. And, yeah, looking forward to getting Sean's thoughts on what he thought of the tournament and recapping the football that uh, we witnessed, which was really fascinating this month. And joining us via Zoom from Japan is the one and only Sean Carroll. And Sean, welcome back to the back peg on our AFC Asian Cup recap. Thanks for having me back. So, Sean, the tournament's done and dusted. Yep. We've seen a lot of wonderful football. Mm -hmm. Initially, give us your thoughts on the tournament and what was your highlight? Oh, God. It's hard to pick a highlight. Um, Mm. I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, Almost every game... Um, if we take China as out of out of the equation because they were an absolute <laughs> debacle, um, almost every game was enjoyable for one reason or another. Mm. There was there was good football. There was surprises. There were teams that maybe outdid themselves. There was, as I'm sure we'll come on to, teams that uh, this, I'm making up a word here, but they underdid themselves. They mm-hmm. didn't perform as, as people expected, um, which is always nice. Um, and I don't know. I think it, it summed up what's so good about tournament football. There's a certainly now with with social media and people existing online and, and this idea of like fantasy football. Well, this team's got these players, so they're going to be good. And this team's coming in in good form. This team's coming in in bad form. Ultimately, while that obviously plays a part, plays a part to some degree, once you get into tournament football, it's compact. It's played every two or three days, and you can get teams that go on a run of form, teams that don't hit um, good form, um, and that's what's always enjoyable. Not many games. Went to extra time either. Mm. And when they did, there was drama. Often with tournaments, once you get to the latter stages, you just get a lot of really nervous, cagey games where teams don't want to lose rather than trying to win. We didn't get as much of that this time. Um, So overall, I thought it was a really enjoyable tournament. Some great football, some players that um, I certainly wasn't aware of before who who really sort of stood out and, and put in good performances um so yeah plenty plenty to um to look forward to and obviously with the next world cup more asian teams are going to be participating hopefully um the the confidence that that some nations would have built up at the asian cup is gonna is gonna put them in good stead for the for the qualifying and hopefully once they get to the world cup they can uh can put in good performances as well and show the rest of the world that that there are good teams and, and good players over here and i think you'll agree one of the takeaways i've got from the tournament is that a lot of the say, lower to mid-range teams that you're not expecting to make the latter stages of a tournament, hmm. they've really come on leaps and bounds in recent times. Hmm. And uh, some of these teams that, I mean, the obvious example is Jordan, to make an Asian Cup final is amazing. Is that one of your key takeaways, that the gap between the absolute best teams and the mid-rung teams is shrinking? Um, yes and no. I think yes, because we saw that, as you said, teams like Jordan, teams like Iraq, Uzbekistan are always there or thereabouts, um, I think. But but we've had this over the years too. I remember being uh, down in, in your neck of the woods in 2015 and it was a mm. similar thing. We were kind of going, well, UAE maybe are going to kick on from here. China are spending money. Maybe they're going to kick on and then they don't do it. 
Um, I think what is different this time is that there are now more World Cup places available. So those, if you want to call them second rung nations, have now got something to aim for. Whereas before it was like, well, there's four and a half places maybe to go for. And you've got Japan, Korea, Iran, Australia are going to take four of them. So even if we do really well, we're fighting for that half a spot and we might have to play Uruguay in playoffs. We might have to oh. play someone else who's who's probably going to beat us. So it's it's hard to motivate as much as, as coaches and players will say they go into every game trying to win and they're still humans and they're going to look at it going, well, we need to win another four games and we need to win against Uruguay away. You know, it's, I think now that there are, is it eight, eight and a half places available for, for Asia? Suddenly, yeah, hmm. yeah suddenly Uzbekistan, um, Jordan, uh, Thailand, Uzbekistan, these countries are going, well, we, we can get in one of those spots. We've got a chance of getting there. Um, and I think what else my takeaway from it was that teams weren't trying to sit back and grind out wins against the bigger teams. When Iraq beat Japan, they really went for it. All right, Japan had more possession, but Iraq, when they had the ball, were direct. They were trying to play. They were trying to attack. They weren't just hoping to get something from a set play or or force a, a mistake from Japan and capitalize. Uh, Jordan did the same against Korea twice in the group stage. They were excellent. Uh, even, you know, Malaysia against Korea as well. They played attacking football. Um, and that, I guess, touches on the point I made before about even in extra time, usually once games go to extra time, both teams just kind of, you see the nervousness kicking in, but teams were going for it um, against each other. Um, whether that's because of the stereotype that, that maybe um, Arab teams, teams from the Middle East, are a bit more emotional, a bit more aggressive and, and inclined to, to push for it, whereas Japan, Australia, Korea are maybe a bit more tactical, a bit more focused on keeping organised and and sort of shutting down the opponent. Maybe that came into it too. Um, but as a... Obviously, I, I follow Japan and want them to do well. But aside from that, I was pretty much neutral. And it was, it was enjoyable watching every game, seeing these players standing out and almost that lack of of discipline and organization made for far more exciting football to watch. I mean, even the final, often finals can be fairly drab because teams are so nervous and that's their chance to win. Both teams really went for it. Qatar were the stronger team in the first half. Jordan really fought back, deserved their equaliser. And if they hadn't given away the penalty, the second penalty, mm. obviously three penalties, if they hadn't given away the second one so soon after they'd equalised, then they might have had more of a chance. But um, I think going be going behind again so soon after they level just kind of took the wind out of their sails. Um, but yeah, so it's hard to we won't know. I don't think for well another three years, two years till the next World Cup, and maybe even further down the line, how much that gap between the top and the the second rank has closed. But yeah, certainly the signs are promising that that the big nations, for want of a better word, are aren't going to have things all their own way in the coming years. Certainly. So, Sean, what's the reaction been in Japan post the tournament now or immediately after Japan's exit? Obviously, um, there was a, it was considered a bit of a disappointment, no doubt. But, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it was considered a disappointment. I think there's also a, a way of thinking about football here and a way of thinking about everything here. Mm. Things are so regimented and ordered that there's this idea that where football has come from, only turning professional just over 30 years ago and the fact that it's moved up as far as it has in that time that it's that things are just going to keep going along that mm -hmm. sort of um, that um on that route so when it comes to world cups it's we've only got to the round of 16 so next needs to be the quarterfinals and they see it as they're just going to keep continuing on that path and coming into the asian cup it was the talk was this is the best japan team ever so there was a lot of kind of reflecting and, and soul searching of well how was the best japan team ever not not won it 
Mm. And that's partly rooted in, like I said, the fact that in Japan they just see things as well. If you keep going, you know, the best team is going to win. If we if we were this good last time and now we're better, we should do better. They they don't really consider the the aspects that can't be measured, which we sort of touched upon a bit. The emotion of being in the game, the building up a rhythm throughout the tournament. Mm. Players like Koi Takura having an absolute shocker mm. against Iran and just looking like he, they were about to concede every time Iran attacked because he just wasn't with it that day. And he said it afterwards himself. He said like he felt responsible for the result. He didn't feel like he was worthy of playing for the national team after that performance. And mm. um, so there was that sort of questioning of why they hadn't, you know, all these famous players that are now playing in Europe, why couldn't they deliver? Um, but obviously the coach has come in for some criticism too, not to the same levels as maybe... Graham Arnold has in, in Australia, I've seen from some quarters. Uh, obviously, Jürgen Klinsmann is not a popular man in, in Korea for <laughs> different reasons as well. Um, but I think that's also a part of football these days. I, I think about, I think, three, four, five of the teams that were in the quarterfinals, I saw somewhere that like fans didn't like the coach. And it was like, that's mm. what happens because of social media again. I think there's always enough people that don't like the coach. So if they post online, it gets picked up somewhere and then it kind of snowballs a bit. I think that's always been the case in football that certain people like their manager, certain people don't. And then it just kind of becomes a, a narrative. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I said it on here before the tournament. I thought there was four, maybe five teams that on their day could beat Japan. Iran were one of them. Mm. In the first half, Japan were good against Iran. In the second, they weren't. Iran deserved to win, so they did. Um, it can happen. It was still the quarterfinals. If they'd gone out in the group stage, I think there would have maybe been more questions. Um, so there's there's disappointment here, but there's and nobody's really calling for the manager's head. Nobody's overreacting too much. But there is a, a sort of disbelief of why didn't they win? And again, I think that's also sort of the second reason for that is just people in Japan don't really know about other teams in Asia. Sure. They just assume that everyone in the Middle East is a Middle Eastern team, Syria, Oman, and Jordan, they're all the same. They'll play this type of football. Um, so it's also based in lack of knowledge, which I, I mean, I have as well to a degree. I don't know much about other teams. You see them every two, four years, maybe you'll play against them once in a World Cup qualifier. So you don't have too much um, knowledge about them. And maybe it's true all over the world where there's an expectation. Um, I, I get an idea that there was an elements of that in the sort of Australian fans culture as well that they're just expected to beat these teams because you just assume that your your team is better because you know those players um so there's maybe an element of that too that japanese fans and media sort of underestimated not underestimated but just didn't know enough about the teams they were playing against um and obviously it's not really an excuse because i think every every team had some sort of issues but Big players from Japan. Mitomo was injured coming into the tournament. Itakura and Tomiyasu had just come back from injuries. And even the ones that weren't injured that played in Europe only joined up sort of a few days before the camp. Whereas some of the other smaller nations maybe had a good 10 days, two weeks as a whole squad to, to prepare for the tournament. So I think that is something now that Japan is starting to have to, to deal with more often compared to the days when it was all J-League players and they could just bring them all in together and, and do a camp for a fortnight. Um, that obviously sort of contributed a bit towards the slow start. Um, but no, the, the overall fallout here is not too negative. Fans are disappointed, but but yeah, not um, yeah, they're not calling for the manager's head. No one's getting too carried away just yet. Yeah, and you spoke to sort of a, an underestimation, shall we say, of mm. in particular West Asian nations. Mm. Uh, I can agree with that from down here in our perspective as well. I think maybe outside of Iran, there's generally a lack of 
not not fear, but respect, I would say, mm. on that absolute top table of Asian football. And we saw at this tournament that these West Asian nations have players that I think can absolutely play at a level that is more famous, more prominent, shall we say? Mm. And economic factors are perhaps a reason as to why we don't see it as much as we shall, as much mm. as we could. What do you make of some of the best players we've seen in this tournament, particularly in the Qatari team with Akram Afif? They're just wonderful players. And what have you made of their tournament overall? Obviously, they're the champions. Do you see them as deserving champions on the whole? Was there anyone who really you thought was hard done by on their run? Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Qatar are, are the champions, so I think they deserve it. I think it's always there are always hypothetical tournaments that can be played out. And if this hadn't happened, then this team would have won. But mm. you, you don't know. Qatar beat... They didn't really, aside from Iran, I don't think they really beat anyone um, of the highest order. And Iran are always... They can always go a bit like Saudi Arabia. They can always go one way or the other. They're like against Japan in the second half, Iran looked like they could beat anyone. But you know they're having lost in the semi-finals last time too. There's this pressure on them. You've seen the the passion amongst their fans. The absolute pressure. Um, I went to watch a Champions League final in in Tehran in 2018, and they played Kashima, and just the the fever around the stadium in the in the stadium amongst the fans was just like something I've never seen before. So dealing with that pressure as an Iranian player going into a semi-final, knowing that those fans are expecting you, obviously the pressure on that um, is high. Um, and Qatar had home support, obviously, and they had Akram Afif, who, aside from Musa Al-Tamari, who I also thought was absolutely mm. sensational, um, although he kind of blew hot and cold with his end product. Uh, as someone who had him in his... Uh, as someone who had him in my fantasy team, Whenever I had him in my team, he was missing the chances. And then the time I took him out, he scored a couple. So maybe I just noticed too much because of that. But um, yeah, in terms of end product, he wasn't quite as lethal as Afif. Afif mm. looked like he really just was was on. He'd hit that. He'd hit the wave and just rode it all the way through the tournament. You know, sometimes you look at players like that who are doing well in the tournament. And you think, well, surely you can't score again in this game. Maybe that's it. Yeah. And I was talking to someone just this afternoon about it, actually, and saying like, you know, they, you can look at it one way that in the final, they got three goals, they were all penalties. Or you can look at it in that it's really difficult for the same player to score three penalties against the same goalkeeper in the same game. I mean, obviously the famous example as an Englishman is Harry Kane at the last World Cup. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. Spoke afterwards about the fact that he'd already taken one and it was against his teammate and he sort of overthought it and then mm. missed. And you wondered that a bit with Afif once he stepped up. For, well, they did that weird thing where someone else looked like they were going to take it. Maybe to throw the keeper off. Maybe if the keeper had been scouting, it's something to do with that. I don't know. And then Afif took the ball again. And but you do think like, well, what's he going to do? Is he going to go the same? Do you, you know you can overthink it? And all three of them were outstanding penalties. Didn't look like he felt any pressure whatsoever. Looked like he was, as we saw with the celebrations and everything. Looked like he was just having a thoroughly good time playing football with his mates, as opposed to being on that stage. Um, the the only thing I would say, perhaps, I mean, obviously, Altamari, who I mentioned, is already playing in Montpellier, so he's already in Europe. And there's rumours that Al Hilal maybe won him in Saudi Arabia, that other European teams are maybe going to be looking closely at him now. The one thing which I always am a bit not concerned about, but I think it plays a factor, is there are players like that who, and well, all over the world, you get it when, when players move from the J League too, who who work really well in a certain team in a certain environment, in a certain atmosphere. And if you take them out of that and then put them into a into a different atmosphere, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a better level. You just need to adapt to it. If you're at Cram of and you're playing in a level where you're comfortable and you're the main man, and suddenly you move to 
wherever, Holland or mm. Belgium, Germany or somewhere, and suddenly you're not seen as the main man. You're part of a squad and you need to prove yourself again and your teammates aren't going to look up to you as much because you're just some guy from Asia. They're not looking at you as in like you're this, this star who's coming in. You need to prove yourself to them. So not just dealing with that, but the player themselves then has to readjust and try and try and work out how they're going to fit into a different system, playing under different managers. So obviously he has got the quality to play at, I don't want to say a higher level, but to play in Europe, he can do it. There are there are several players who I think throughout the tournament showed that they've got that quality um, in terms of raw ability and, and technique and everything. But I think there's always that psychological, that mental aspect that sometimes gets overlooked with the way we consume football now, where it's just like, well, he's good and he went there and he failed. So he failed as opposed to, well, there's so much built into it. Um, over the years, you know, there was um, the Vietnamese guy, Quang Hai, who was mm. seen as like the kind of standout 2019, one of the standouts. Omar Abdulrahman, obviously from before as well, as you touched upon, there was obviously the financial thing of like, well, if he can earn the same or more money where he is, why why risk going somewhere else and having to adapt if you can if you can you know if you're happy to just not take things easy but you don't need to sort of overexert yourself as opposed to you know a brazilian 17 18 year old who's has fought their way up from from poverty and they've you know moved to europe is their chance to 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 break out of that for for them and their family there's that different aspect um so i think there's there's so many factors to it but um yeah absolutely i think so many players showed and even looking at the squads already, the the bigger squads, the more famous squads, Iran, Korea, Japan, Australia, um, you know, loads of these players are already over in Europe, maybe not at the top, top level. But mm. I think with the way scouting works now and everything to proper, properly run clubs all over the world now know that, that nationality doesn't necessarily matter. If a player's got the right ability, they've got the right tools and they've got the right mentality, it's much easier now to bring in those players and it's less of a risk because they don't cost usually don't cost as much. So clubs are are able to take a risk on them, as it were. Or as we've seen again over this offseason in the J League, younger and younger players get picked up and then like um uh young centre backs gone from Yokohama if Marinos to Cardiff and they've loaned him straight out to Belgium. And then you chuck him in to Belgium for six months, see how he does, bring him over, give him the summer, give him pre-season there to work with the squad. And you can bring them in and if things don't work, you can sell him back, send him back to, to the J-League and, and no one really loses anything else. So I think there, there are so many opportunities now for these players. One one issue maybe is the fact that the African Cup of Nations was going on at the same time. And there's still, because of just historical, political links and whatever in, in the UK, for instance, there's always more attention paid towards the African Cup of Nations. Mm. More players, obviously, from from Africa have played in England over the years. The sort of the diaspora in England, there's a huge African diaspora as well. So there are those links um, historically. But yeah, I mean, Son Heung-min, Mitoma, these kind of players that are in England, obviously now means that people do pay more attention to the Asian Cup. Um, and if the African Cup of Nations hadn't been on at the same time, maybe more English fans would have been focused just on on the Asian Cup. Um, but yeah, obviously, I didn't watch a lot of it. I only caught a few highlights, but the um, AFCON looked like it was full of all kinds of uh, all kinds of fun and games uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, that, 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 that confederation and that tournament this is pure madness. Right? <laughs> it's pure madness. We've been talking about it on our pod and it's just, yeah, completely insane on a different level altogether. Uh, in comparison, the Asian Cup was just good football. And yeah. and it was it had you 
it was more tense at times. It had you on mm. the edge of your seat more because the, yeah. the competition was closer together. There isn't yeah. much difference between, you know, the first uh, between Qatar and the 24th uh, ranked team out of that tournament. It was. Yeah. And, and the, the result that best reflects that is probably match day three in the groups with Korea and uh, Malaysia and the madness mm. that that yeah. took, you know, that that, that took on. Right. So was that, the, was, that the, was that the weird one when Jordan deliberately lost? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? No, uh, Bahrain, yes, yeah, well, that's right. Try, yes. I didn't watch that. I was watching yeah, the Korea Jordan, game. Yeah, Bahrain uh, decided to. Oh, Jordan yeah. uh, decided to uh, go easy. Decided that yeah, they didn't really want to play Japan in the next round, so they were, they were quite happy. They knew they were going through anyway. Which yeah, which that, I, that's I our impression. We should stress that that's our impression. Nothing got toward it. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah it was just, just in case the lawyers. Yeah, that is just uh, yeah, allegedly. It was just convenient. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they'll vindicate it, weren't they? They were vindicated. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Japan yeah. did something similar in 2018 when they were they played out a one nil defeat against Poland in their last group game. And oh. yeah, it's one of those weird things where um, I mean, obviously it could have sort of blown up in their face. Of course, if, forget who it was. I think it was Senegal. They were on the same points. With That's them. right. It was Senegal. And yes. It was like, yeah, it was like yellow cards. They went. Yeah, it went down to yellow cards. Yeah. Yep. It was something ridiculous like that, and it could have yeah. blown up in their face because if Senegal had scored again, Japan would have been out. Correct. Um, and it's yeah, at the time it's it, it was nerve wracking, and obviously they were getting booed and whatever. There's this people come in with this, you know, it's against the spirit of the game. But hundreds of things happen in every yeah, match, which is exactly against the spirit right. of and, the game. Every yeah. time a player calls for a corner when he knows it touched him last, is again. So it's quite funny, and it's it's Correct. like when there's a big mass brawl. You know, the, the commentator has to say we don't like to see this, but everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff, stuff like that is a uh, is always good fun too. And yeah, I think on that day, I think it was the same group. Yeah, the Malaysian mm. was it? Um, who was the second goal? Was it the who? Maybe it was Faisal's goal. There was the goal where it looked like he'd gone too far, mm. and then it looked like he was. Everyone thought he was going to square it back. Yes, and he scored. For me, that was the goal. Mm, yes, of the tournament. yes. I know the yes. Al Haidos one oh, no. was so good. Uh, that that was too good. That was too good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't. I, I agree, and it, it it probably is, but. Just that one was so yeah, pleasing because yeah. he tricked me as well. Like everyone Correct. watching, yeah. waiting for the ball to go mm. there, and then he yeah. somehow. Yeah. And just the more times you watch it, it was just yeah. So there was that too. So yeah, so many yeah, so many things from throughout the tournament. Um, but yeah, as you said, usually I think that's a good thing. With I don't know if I mentioned it in the in the pre-tournament pod too, but like something I liked about the Champions League this year was the fact that because you get the third, no, there's only one team going through. Because there was only the one team going through for sure in the ACL, you, there was sort of jeopardy on every game. Mm. Um, it was kind of similar with this because you mm. just couldn't tell. It wasn't like after two games, well, these teams are through and it's down to like these three or four. Because you had that third place thing and it yep. was down to goal difference. And it meant that even teams that were terrible, like to pluck one from thin air China, uh-huh. they could still have gone through until mm-hmm. the last minutes of their game because of the way that the goal difference was. And so you yeah. could have actually had them going through having drawn all three games nil nil having not scored a single goal um and it's yeah, yeah it's it, it means you know football is always more interesting when there's actually something riding on games yeah which is why these preseason friendlies with into miami and stuff just don't interest me whatsoever you want to completely understandable yeah completely i think that makes three of us yeah completely understandable when it's when it's real football with something riding on it and oh, yeah. you want that you don't want the last group game to be these two are already through these two are already out mm-hmm. They're going to rest all their players. Um, as funny as it is when Jordan um, 
slow up a little bit. You don't want that to be the norm. You want every game. I mean, Malaysia equalising in whatever it was, the 110th minute or something stupid, was it? Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was, it was so <laughs> the, Yeah, I think it was the like 15th minute of injury time or something yeah. rather. Yeah. My, my girlfriend was in bed in the next room and the game was reasonably late. Not late, late. It was sort of getting on sort of midnight, 1am. And I'm not, you know, I normally watch football quite quietly if it's that time. And I was like sort of jumping out off the sofa and going, oh my God, what's going on? I mean, oh, Malaysia has scored. And she was like, all oh, right, well, I've got work in the morning. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then I think Korea got the penalty in the 90-something and it was like, oh, yes. of course, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So Korea and Japan is going to happen, and then when Malaysia scored again, it was just like, how has that happened? How have, how have Korea let that happen? Mm. And how have Malaysia got the motivation to make it happen? They're out. They're, no, why bother? It was yeah, yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, very much so. And I've been convinced on this format. I was a little skeptic about all the third places going through. That we were playing a lot of games in the group to eliminate eight teams, which well, it seems like a bit of overkill. But the drama we saw was just amazing. Yeah, particularly and I right, think it feeds into what you said before day. as well. It's it's good for it's good for these so-called smaller nations to realise that that they can mix it against the bigger nations. They can cause them problems. They don't need to go into games expecting that they're going to lose and trying to keep the score down. They can go in and think, well, we can have a go and see what happens. You know, in a one-off game, obviously, if you if you're talking about if it was like a a league format, you play everyone twice over the course of the year, it's going to be the same. It's similar in World Cup qualifying. If you can cause an upset and get a bit of momentum going and, you know, now there are these places available. So the more games that these teams can play, obviously, you know, Tajikistan as well was a great mm, story from mm. the competition. Um, you get these stories and it builds things up. And I think it's it's always something I say about about teams in Japan. There are certain teams, the style of football they play, especially lower down the table in, in lower down the pyramid, like J2. There are these teams that just traditionally play fairly conservative, defensive football, regardless of who the manager is or what players they are. It just seems to be that's their club's identity. They think of themselves as a smaller club and we need to just make sure we keep things tight, get balls down the wing, get it in the box, try and cause problems. Um, and I always say, well, but why? Why not try... Why not try and take the game to the opponent a bit, cause them problems rather than just sitting back and and trying to grind out results? And I think, yeah, we saw that over the competition and friendly matches and, and World Cup qualifying only goes so far. Being on a, a in a proper competition like this with something to play for, the more games that the the smaller and the second ranked teams can play against each other in competitive format and against against bigger nations is is only going to help them develop, which has to help the 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 bigger teams develop too. I think if anything, Japan, you know, not winning it, getting knocked out as they did, it might actually benefit them in the long run because now they're going to have to realize we don't results aren't just going to come as a matter of course because we've now got better players, because we won eight, nine friendly games in a row. They know there are still issues that need addressing. They know that they're not a perfect team. I think if they just cruised through and won it without much hassle, then they might have gone into the looking ahead to the World Cup with a bit more complacency. So, yeah, I think it's it, it helps everyone um, in the long run. Yeah, and at the risk of going down another rabbit hole, there's, I think, a real market for an AFC Nations League format because you think of the big teams like Japan, like Australia, who, barring a disaster, are pretty much guaranteed to get to the World Cup now. Mm. with the expanded slots. Surely there should be more opportunities for the big teams and everyone else to play each other in competitive matches. Yeah, I think I agree from the point of view is I can't stand watching Japan play Venezuela and Trinidad and Tobago and the same kind of teams mm. over and over again in friendly matches. 
because I don't think anyone really gains much from it. And the fact that you've now got like the the European Nations League and things like that means that those teams are now pretty much it's so hard to get the chance to play friendlies against them. Um, so rather than playing friendly matches, I think it's useful always to play, even though Nations Leagues are maybe sort of halfway house between competitive and friendlies. Um, but then at the same time, you don't, I think it ends up, you end up playing against your own. I know Asia is so vast that it's, mm. it's hard to sort of say it's all the same, but it is good to play as many different teams from around the world as possible rather than just playing against the same opponents over and over again. If you've got them in World Cup qualifying as well already, you don't want to get to the point where you're just, oh, we're playing Jordan again. We played them two years ago. All right, okay, another another game against Saudi Arabia. Obviously with the ACL as well. I mean, most of the players from national teams now are probably going to be in Europe, so not involved in that anyway. But um, but yeah, I'm always I'm always pro more more competitive games rather than friendlies because I just think friendlies don't really benefit anyone except for except from the federation just from selling tickets, rights, merchandise and stuff. I don't really think they serve much of a a benefit for for the players. Um, and especially now with, again, to look at it from a Japanese point of view, so many of the players in Europe, you're going to get more and more injuries getting picked up and Endo's not going to be released by Liverpool because he's picked up a knock mm. and he's they don't want him travelling back and then you end up having, you know, you've not got the proper team together anyway. Um, so if, it, if rather than that, they can have a official fixtures being built in by way of a Nations League or something mm. where clubs are obliged to release them, it helps out the... The, the national team managers too, because they can actually work with their squads rather than having to deal with local based players who are probably not going to be involved once the World Cup or the, the Asian Cup rolls around anyway. So Sean, crystal ball, just before we wrap up, does Japan change manager at all? Are there going to be changes heading into the 2026 World Cup campaign? What do you foresee? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, obviously it much depends on World Cup qualifying. They, they, they'll qualify anyway. And barring an mm. absolute disaster, they're going to qualify. But I think if, bearing in mind this, the disappointment of the Asian Cup, um, obviously this this current round of qualifiers is not a challenge at all, yeah. aside from having That's to go right. and play in Yang, uh next month, which is always going to be a challenge for, for anyone, <laughs> especially a Japanese team with all the history. Um, but once you get into the next round of qualifiers, if they struggle if they don't pick up enough points if if you start to get grumbles there have been a few comments that have maybe been sort of slightly blown up by by certain sections of the media but a few players have come out and kind of criticized the coach in a sort of roundabout way if those things were to build up and and sort of snowball a bit um then maybe um as the world cup got closer the jfa might get a little bit nervous but i think he's still got enough credit in the bank from the last world cup from the run of games going into this asian cup from the the excuses that he can maybe put forward of not being able to gather the squad in time, individual errors costing the team um, in the certainly against against Iran, um, and yeah, I think he's got enough. I don't think they'll be pulling the trigger just yet, but in say in a year, eighteen months, if there are if if the campaign is the World Cup qualification campaign is going slowly, if there are still grumbles from big players, maybe maybe they might consider it. But um, at the moment, I'd be more surprised if he wasn't in charge. Uh, in 2026 than, than if he still is. Sean, we want to thank you for your time here on our Asian Cup uh, recap post-tournament. And it's been a wonderful month of football. We've greatly been impressed by all the teams, uh, particularly with uh, some of the big nations not quite living up to uh, expectations, so to speak. Uh, thank you very much for joining us again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. No worries at all. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care.
Thanks, Sean. Les, let's have a chat about the final itself. 3-1, Qatar, Akram Afif with three goals from the spot. Do you look back on the final and think it's a shame that we had three goals from the penalty spot? Well, Nathan, they've got to be in the right position to get those penalties. Indeed. Right? Now, it's unconventional to have a team score three penalties in a game, but I think it's hard with a better side, to be fair. I think the result was fair. Um, look, I do get the sense that it's somewhat delegitimized because they were three penalties, but I don't subscribe to that theory because you've got to be in an a attacking set of a frame of mind and attacking frame, you know, sense of play to be able to put yourself into those positions to generate the garner those opportunities. And that's what they've done. I think Qatar were the better side without a shadow of a doubt up until so they get the first goal. They're clearly in um, you know, they're clearly in uh, demanding the or they're clearly in the ascendancy, I should say. Then the Jordanians you know, come back into the game, right? But when the second penalty goes in, I think it's all over. Yeah, I think so too. And look, three penalties, it's a little bit of a, not an asterisk, but it does detract a little bit. I think it would have been nice to have at least one open play goal in there, but maybe we would have got one, maybe two, if the penalties weren't given as fouls. And Correct. Uh, I think we can agree that we didn't have a real problem with any of the penalties. The were, second one's probably the most contentious of the three, but all penalties, all penalties. Yeah, they are all penalties. You can't dispute that. I don't think. Yeah, and I think the nature of the goals it does. It, for those who didn't watch it, they'll immediately jump to mm. uh, Qatar, Home, Qatar, yeah, and yeah. penalties and Home advantage, and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, some underhanded businesses at play here, perhaps. And but that's always going to happen. And it detracts from the team that Qatar have been at this tournament. And yes, if you looked at their run to the final pre-tournament, you'd think that Iran are the only good team they beat. So did they get the luck of the draw, perhaps? Yeah, yeah they did. They had a, a, an easy group yeah. and relatively easy knockout phase as well. But they still had to turn up on the day. And they are now back-to-back champions. Do you reckon they had an easy knockout phase? I mean, an Asian Cup final against Jordan. Yes, I know Jordan are... A very difficult team to play. They have been in this tournament. They have shown up many a big team. But just if you looked at that run pre-tournament, mm. you'd think, where's all the big teams? Like, where's the real tests? Sure. Uzbekistan quarterfinal and Iran semifinal. Mm. I don't think that's to be sneezed at at all. I mean, they got through a penalty shootout, right? Um, and then they go on and uh, win the semifinal. I, I think, one, they deserved winners. They played the best football, and they could only play against who they were drawn against, right? It's not Qatar's fault that China were abysmal. <laughs> maybe it right? was their fault. They made them abysmal. Yeah, maybe they did make them <laughs> abysmal, right? They played them in the last game, though, to be fair. Yeah, and they were already through. And they were already through, right? Yeah. And they had an experimental side, and then Qatar decided to change things up in the second half, and the, and China were nowhere near them yeah. in the group game, right? So, and it, to... You know, as has been mentioned in other quarters, it would have been a travesty. And I think you mentioned it as well that if had China qualified on the back of three draws, no goal scored, and no goal scored, yeah, it would have been disgraceful, right? It would have been. Thankfully, so that's, we got away from that. That's the limitation of this type of system, right? However, mm. um, South, I'd give me South Korea with even allowing for, you know, the lack of wins, at least they 
somewhat had a go and yeah, left themselves open, right? But yes. they had a go. They certainly did. Um, but look, I agree with you, Bas. They um, deserve a champions. There's no denying that they are the best team in Asia. It's an incredible feat, Nathan. It really it is. It's is. only happened it, a couple of times in the past. It's It can't be underestimated. This this is an incredible feat in football terms because, especially in, in within the Asian Confederation, because it is so close across all these teams. And I think Qatar now take a place in the in the that top six bracket that we were talking about um, yeah. er, earlier during the, the the series, right? Where obviously they should be by rights, having gone back to back there, number one. Yeah, right. I don't think anyone can argue that. And look, maybe you can hold World Cup results in a high regard, perhaps, but that's to each their own. I think doing it in your confederation has got to be the, the number one marker. Mm. And look, we can't deny Qatar on the pitch are a fantastic outfit. And look, Akram Afif is 27. He'll be 30-31 for the next Asian Cup. He'll still be doing the business. This team aren't really going anywhere. What are you suggesting? Can they go three in a row? Oof, that's, that's tough. That's what I'm getting at. That's tough. Let's get to the World Cup first. I think. I think. I think they'll be in the world. I think they'll obviously make the world the next World Cup, right? Um, which will be the first time they make one without having hosted one. Mm. And I think that they will give a very good account of themselves and will prove to be very difficult opposition, right? I think they got a case of stage fright and a couple of things didn't go right for whatever reason within the camp. Um, in the last World Cup, they, yeah, I think primarily it was stage fright as well, right? Maybe a bit of complacency thinking, okay, well, hey, we're Asian Cup champions. We can, we just have to show up. But, you know, they got, they learn a lot of valuable lessons from that experience, I think. And we can see that now. We can see that now, like 14 months later, what they've done to turn it around. It's an incredible performance, incredible performance. Um, and full credit goes to the Qatari FA and to the team, the players, the staff, and, um, you know, all under the uh, watchful eye of Tim Cale involved there with the Qatari FA. So, yes, who's uh, coming to a little bit of criticism in the last couple of days. I see, I've missed uh, that. Referring to uh, Qatar as we, we, we've won the Asian Cup. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> hey, look, you know, doesn't have to be a wordsmith, but I tell you what, he's very effective. Mm, yes, very yes. effective in <laughs> what they've done um, and his involvement through Aspire, you know, the Aspire Sporting Academy there, and um, and the the flow through that uh, that has taken place with regards to the Qatari national team. Now, the Jordanians, you know, full credit to the Jordanians, right? Great tournament, finished third in their group, right. Mm. By and choice. by choice, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, you know, a, a great tournament, a great tournament to get to the final, and nobody can begrudge them their final appearance. No, definitely not. And they've been the surprise package. They've ridden their luck at times in this tournament. And what we can say about Jordan now is a, a silver medal is fantastic for them. Can they kick on? Can they go and make more leaps and bounds? Can they get to North America twenty six? I think they can. I think yeah. they can. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah. it's just a case of can a couple of these other players in the squad get to a higher level? Can they go through some gears? Is there gears in this Jordanian national setup? Oh, look, you've got to look at what's behind them, right? They're always going to be technically proficient in their football, right? Those Middle Eastern teams are. They're very hard to, you know, Australia finds them hard to compete against at times. Australia manages to beat most of them, but not easily. Not easily. They always prove uh, to be a stern opposition for us. So, yeah, it's 
it's interesting to see a country like Jordan do so well against the more fancied opponents. But like I said before, nobody can begrudge them that. And I think there's a lot of soul-searching that needs to be done, um, in particular within Saudi Arabia, not so much Korea, Australia, Japan, um, you know. And, um, I mean, Iran and South Korea made the semis, so I guess that's, a you know, they're within that top four echelon, right? So there are things that need to go back to the drawing board with with regards to Saudi Arabia, Australia, and Japan, I think. Yeah, I think so. And is it going to be more than manager churn? I would hope so. I think now, given that a World Cup qualification, as we said with Sean, is pretty much a given for the likes of Japan and Australia and Saudi Arabia too, there is the opportunity just to go and experiment and bring players through. And basically, you need to just identify what team are you planning to take for 2026. There should be in all the FAs, a big setup. Mm. Team now, team in one year, Correct. team of the next major tournament. Correct. You don't need the first two columns anymore. Just what team are you going to take to 2026? Yep. Start from now. Why not? Yeah, and you need to, right? So Japan, I think of the three nations that we just mentioned, Japan look like they'll be okay, obviously, right? Mm. I don't think they're much of a concern. Saudi Arabia at the start of this process under Mancini, still very early days with regards to that and their footballing project. Um, Australia, we need to get players in better in better leagues, or and we need to work on getting our players to execute more effectively on the international stage because that's what has been the secret right now for Graham Arnold's success is that when they've been able to, they've been very efficient when it's come to taking their chances. They were not that efficient against South Korea, and it cost them. Mm. So that's where the issue has been. I think. Man for man, quality-wise, most teams are – well, not most teams, but the other five teams in Asia or six teams in Asia would, you know, would be considered stronger. But it's the execution and the effort and the attitude that's always been the driver for the Socceroos. So they did perform reasonably well, I think, right? There were some parts that left a little bit to be desired, I don't think, like I said, I still contend that they weren't what we would normally contend to be a typical Graham Arnold side, right? Yes, there was a defensive focus, but not complete as what has been characterized Arnie Ball mm. in the past. Now, yep. the trouble is, like I said, it only came down to execution and not being able to get that cutting edge when it came to uh, in front of goal. And I think by and large, Australia took their chances in the other games at this tournament yep. when they came. And can you pass it off as a bad day of the office for those with the shooting boots? I think you can because you go back to the World Cup, all the chances that came Australia's way, by and large, but if, well, in the group anyway, they took them. And that's Ooh. why Australia got out of the group. We weren't blowing teams away, but whenever something did come our way, we were able to take that chance. And I think in a one-off game, you can just pass it off. Look, Miss Duke should have scored one, Ooh. maybe two of the opportunities he wasn't able to. Metcalf should Metcalf have scored. As well. Yeah. Yes. And... I think I'm kind of happy just to box that off and put it in as a bad day at the office. I don't think there's... Look, Australia, we always want better quality players. We always want players playing at high levels. Is there going to be an increase compared to where we are now in the next couple of years? I think so. I think so, because you've got... Just think of the players that have gone over to Europe in the last two years. Mm. A lot of them are in their early 20s. Sure. You would expect... or well, not expect. You would hope that they continue on their trajectory of heading up the football ladder. Sure. Not we're not um 
we're not necessarily holding out for 10 players to play Premier League football. No, that's right. But that's not required either. And I think the future is pretty good for the Zocorus. You just look at some of the kids that will be part of the Olympic squad. Mm. There's three that come to mind in terms of Nestri, Jakarti, mm -hmm. Robertson. That's fair. I think there is the next crop look pretty promising. And look, the next crop always look promising because we don't know what we're getting. Sure. No, that's, <laughs> um, that's fair. But in general, I think look, the future is bright for the Socceroos is where I sit. Uh, look, I think it is too. We just need to work on things. We need to make sure that mm -hmm. um, our players have got the coaching that they need and have the work ethic that they need to be able to execute what it is that needs to be executed when it's required to be executed. Right. I think that, okay, if Australia had made a semi-final in this tournament, irrespective of who they would have played and were defeated at the semi-final stage, it would be a success for this current Australian side, irrespective so. of who yeah. they played against, right? Now, mm. Jordan were on a run. Jordan may have knocked over Australia in a one-off. Okay. So, but for all intents and purposes, if Australia had, I think Australia would have provided as much the opposition for Jordan as compared to what South Korea did. Jordan played them off the park, like we said, right? Mm. Um, but this was a case of an opportunity missed, I think, for the Socceroos. Now, would the Socceroos have knocked off Qatar? I don't know. I don't I'm, think. I'm inclined I, to say I, no. I don't think they would have. <laughs> I, I don't think they would have, right? Which would mean that they would have ended up more than likely with a silver medal, right? So, um, which is fantastic. But, which would have been fantastic. But the margin, the margins were so fine, so fine. I mean. <laughs> For one, you know, for one minute of football, you know, a penalty that doesn't need to be given or conceded, and you know, that's what stood between um, Australia and a semi and really a semi final berth, I think. Yeah, very much so, very much so. But look, that's the the randomness of football at times, especially but in it does come down Ooh. to yeah, especially in tournament football, and Ooh. you just got to take the moments when they came. Just unfortunate this time we we're on the wrong side of it. Correct. And I also don't think. It's worthy of burning the house down and ripping it all up and starting over. I don't think it's a disgraceful exit. Oh, I know that it is. It's an absolute <sighs> disgrace. <laughs> no. Uh, no, some I people would, I agree uh, would have you believe that. And well, who are these people, I, Nathan? And look, I'm, it's. I, th I think that comes more so from disappointment rather than in this time around. This time around, mm. it comes more so from disappointment rather than anything else. Because the effort was there for everyone to see for those who did watch, managed to watch the games or wanted to watch the games, right? Aside from the very first game and the frustrations against India, right? I think that I've, you know, even against Uzbekistan, they played decent football at times, right? They, you know, they got caught short in the second half, but Uzbekistan were pressing. And you're going to get that at this type of, you know, at this level of football mm -hmm. where teams mm -hmm. are going to have their stronger periods against you. So for as you know, for as much as you try and counter that, it's just how you deal with that as a team. Yeah, there's two teams out there. Correct. So you know you're not always going to have the rubber the green go your way, and the so it's just how you deal with that as a team. And I think this team did deal with those kind of situations pretty well in general. We had some yeah, big outs. I think so too. Yeah, mm, there's some did, big outs we as well. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, we can talk about some of the players that were missing from the tournament that probably. Ones that perhaps should have gone that weren't picked. I think those three names that I mentioned a minute or two ago probably should have been in the squad with hindsight. Mm -hmm. That's withholding the uh, the injury concern for Alex Robertson. Yeah, sure. Um, but I'm where I sit right now with Australia. 
as I say, I'm genuinely positive. It's disappointing to go out where we did. But moving forward, I'm looking at it more positively than not. And in terms of the management, a lot of people will want to see the back of Graham Arnold. I'm not one of those people. What do you put that down to as far as people wanting to see Graham Arnold move on? I, I, it really, I think Graham Arnold has every right to actually decide to call it a day on his own terms right now, right? Um, I don't see that happening. I think he takes them to the World Cup. I, I, fo- I foresee that. I think he's earned that as well. Yeah, I think he has too, based on the last World Cup. Yeah. Right. If Australia had crashed out of the group stage here, especially here with this expanded tournament, yeah, that's then different. you go, hey, listen, we need to have a talk. Mm. Right. But given the that Australia loses in the manner that they do at the quarterfinal stage against the opponent that Australia did lose to, geez, uh, you know, you're hard pressed to say, Arnie, you need to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And I think we said it in the wake of the result on our recent pot after that. It was the, the point that Arnie can't put the ball in the back of the net. They can't do it himself. Yeah. If he could, he would. No. Yeah. Because he was he was a good striker as well for sure. <laughs> he, he, he did play. <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, you know frustrated as anybody. I'm sure. And he cops pelters every single time Australia play, Graham Arnold. And I think part of it, I'm not sort of... I'm trying to speak for those people who always give Arnie stick. Mm. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it comes from... Sydney FC days. Sydney FC days. It comes from a, a preconceived notion of the style of football. It comes from maybe his demeanor in press conferences. I think there's an element, there's a, a, a okay. wide variety of elements here that all come together. And like I say, I'm not agreeing with it. I'm not projecting my opinions here. Sure. I'm just trying to find out and explore why Graham Undercops a lot of all the stick that he does. Uh, it could be the cent- like okay yes he was a bit prickly during the Central Coast Mariner days as well but I mean he's running on it he was managing a club that was very lean to run if we can put it mm. that way right and he had relative success got his job at Sydney FC and then so on and so forth right okay yes he went overseas to Japan and didn't succeed he's not the first he won't be the last I think during this tenure of his with the Socceroos. You know, the World Cup was a show, it was a standout moment. Up until that World Cup, yes, people were questioning and, and it was debatable. But I don't think that since that World Cup, there can be any question as to who is the right person and management team behind that person and staff to take this current side to the next World Cup, right? Now, beyond that, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. And more than likely, it will choose to, you know, step aside. After the next World Cup, I think. But if he's got the um, the fortitude and the, and the drive to keep going, or well, all the power to him for now, till the time that the results go negative, should they ever go negative? Yeah, that's it. And it also is a benefit to the setup that he's the under twenty threes manager. I think that doesn't get spoken about as much as it probably should. That he is very he's involved. Much involved. Yeah, he's involved. He's in not the manager, setup. But, yeah, yeah, uh, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I take your point. He's he's involved. Yeah, that's he was what I mean. involved. Yeah. yeah, he was involved previously. He's involved, you know. Yeah. And yeah, he's overseeing it now. He's got a hand in it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a very strong link between the two levels. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's for the benefit of Australian football long term. Mm. Very much so. So I think if the time comes and the time will come one day, I don't think we're upon it at the moment that Graham Arnold leaves or is no longer manager of Australia. There's going to be a, a bit of an extensive search to find someone who's a obvious improvement, I think, because look, everyone wants whatever team they support. Everyone wants 
success and they want football to be played in a positive manner, an attractive manner. Everyone wants that. If you're going to find someone who can achieve that with the Socceroos in their current format, I would love suggestions. I'd love suggestions. But we're not at that level where we can blow teams away that are around us or above us in the world rankings. True. So we have to come up with alternative strategies. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Should we move on to goal of the tournament, highlight of the tournament, and team of the tournament? Yeah, let's do it, Laz. Let's okay. do it. Let's what's get your, the quick one out of the way. What's your goal of the tournament, Nathan? <laughs> uh, this will be about 10 seconds. Uh, discussion on goal of the tournament. Uh, it has to be Hassan Ahidos, corner volley. You're going to agree with me, Laz. Oh, and I've been saying it since it happened. Sake, for the sake of disagreement and for some sort of alternative, I think I could say Musa Altamari's goal in the semifinal. I could say mm-hmm. Akram Afif's in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. There's been some good football. There's been some great goals. But look, nothing touches El Haidos. No. no. That's the goal of the tournament by some way. Mm. For the execution of the corner, the execution of the volley. And yeah, it was just a delectable piece of football all around. And you could watch bangers like that all day. Honestly, that was just a great, great goal. And we don't see enough of it. We'd love to see mm. those kind of highlights. Um, makes you miss the days of world soccer with Les Murray and, and you know, the dearly departed Les Murray and Johnny Warren were hosting it. And they used to, when it used to be on a Saturday, they used to do these uh, highlight reels from goals all over, the, you know, all over the world, like to really, you know, upbeat music. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me of those kind of goals. Just absolutely insane level of football with regards to the corner being executed and the volley. Just brilliant, brilliant all around. Okay, highlight of the tournament or standout moment of the tournament for you. Standout moment. The thing that I'll remember from this tournament, I think, is is how I'll frame this talk as my mm-hmm. one memory that I'll take with me. Mm-hmm. And I think it is uh, Ayman Hussain sending off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's an interesting moment to, to recollect. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, this incredible, incredible. And what that led to as well with Jordan coming sure. back into it. Sure. Mm. Sure. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's a seminal <laughs> moment, isn't it? Really, mm. if you think about it that way, because that moment—if that moment doesn't occur—Jordan don't get back into it. Really, I don't think. Nope. Nope. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very well said. Uh, I'm going to say my moment of the tournament is the career Malaysia draw. Okay. Yeah. And that craziness. Mm. Yep. Which uh, is, just the whole thing is up there for match of the tournament for mine. Yeah, the yeah. whole. I mean, it, the the way that that <laughs> game ended is just insane. Mm. Right. So, yeah. Um, disappointment of the tournament. Not that we like to end on, you know, well, I've got one who, word who for Who have you got? China. Yeah. China. <laughs> China. China. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yes. I uh, will turn myself in and say that I did predict, predict them to win Group A. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that didn't work out. No. In the slightest. No. Uh, yeah. They were horrific. Okay. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think other disappointments, you could say Vietnam are in this conversation. Yeah, after 2019, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair. bit harsh, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Look, China are the obvious takers for disappointment of the tournament. I think if you've been really harsh, you can throw Japan in that mix too. Yeah, but look, anything can happen in a one-off. Sure. And look, I think, let's say if we came up with the top eight of Asia now, right, seven of the eight, 
that played in the semi, sorry, six of the eight they played in the quarterfinals would be in there, mm. right? Saudi Arabia weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think there's a place to say that Uzbekistan is one of the top eight at the bottom half of the eight because they're always around that level. Now, Jordan, take your pick. Okay. It happened to be Jordan this time around. Yeah. Right? That um, took Saudi's spot, for instance, you know. Um, and then maybe you would swap out, like, or not swap out, but the other one who ought to be at the quarterfinal would be Iraq. Yeah, that's – yes, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe for Tajikistan. Yeah, spot on. Mm. Spot on, right? So, you know, it, Asia is getting definitely closer, and that top eight bracket is – you know, anybody could take on anyone and beat them. Yes, you'll have your favourites, no doubt, but yeah, yeah, you know, you, anybody could beat anyone. All right, so Nathan, tell me what you think of this team of the tournament. Basham from Qatar in goal. Agree? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. I think, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I agree. Okay. We're getting a 3 5 2 here, right? Okay. So, preface it for me, Laz. Is this your team of the tournament in terms of a functional team, or are you just picking 11 best players? No, try and keep it functional. Okay. <laughs> you know you know my approach to these things. Yep. <laughs> um, Yazan Al-Arab from Jordan. Mm-hmm. Lucas Mendes. Yep. And Mohamed Vard from uh, Qatar. They're your three backs or centre-halves. Uh, are, are you, are you, I mean, am I being optimistic and, and off of bro, one giant Scotsman at the back? No. Nah. No, nah, cool. No, nah, nah, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Tamari. On the right? Yep. Okay. Um, we'll go with Akram, a fifth on the left. Nah, get him out. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, Lee Kang in. Yeah, you have to have Lee Kang in. Son Hyung Min. In midfield? Center attacking mid. Okay. Like an eight. Uh-huh. Sada Asmun, Muran. Yep. Okay. Amo is Ali. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Need Amo is Ali. Yeah. And Ayman Hussain from Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> Golden yes. boot. Yes. Any think... objections? So you want to put the so you want to take out one of the Qatari centre backs and put in um our own uh Arisuta in there? Nah. Nah. I didn't think so. Not really. Not really. He had a good tournament, but he did have a good tournament. I actually that's something we didn't raise. Who was Australia's best player at the um at the Asian Cup, as far as you're concerned? Jackson, Jackson Irvine. Yeah, the same. Yep. I mean same. for his leadership, for his off ball work. Yep. And he popped up with goals when we needed them in the group phase in particular. Correct. Uh, I think he might be first sub in this team. Yeah, I think that's a good shout, actually. I think it's a very good shout. That's a very good shout. Who is your manager of the tournament? Uh, Graham Arnold? No. Jürgen Klinsmann? No. Definitely not. <laughs> Laz, my manager of the tournament is going to be uh, Amulta from the Jordan. Amulta from Jordan? Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I, think I always like shout. to give managerial awards to biggest overachievers. That's how I always like to look at a a manager of the season or tournament or whatever. I'm going to throw mm. something else to you. Mm. How about Tintin Marquez having yeah. taken the team over? It's a good shout. Yeah, it's a very good shout. I can't argue with you. Yeah, I'd be happy with either one of those. Mm. Yeah, and um, shout out as well to Peter Shaker. Yes, Tajikistan. Yeah, should get a mention in this category. Yeah, should for the same reasons. Mm. Uh, unbelievable tournament from Tajikistan to get as far as they did on their debut is an incredible feat. And Hector Cooper 
uh, for Syria. Did a, did a decent job as well. It's good to see him actually manage on the international stage. Um, you know, he's been around Europe for a while and, and um, you know, South America, so he's done really well with Syria. Yeah, thoroughly agree. All right. And I think that does us for the AFC Asian Cup. Player of the tournament, lads. Player of the oh, tournament. player of the tournament. Jeez. Oh, th- hang on. That's a given. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I thought we did mention that before. No, mm. uh, is there any objection to a fifth from Qatar? No, there is no, no objections whatsoever. That's what I didn't think. That's what, yeah, that's why I was a given. Mm. I, I yes. think by by uh, some way standard operating procedure, isn't it? It's mm. uh, a fifth gets best player. Yep. They, Even if well, he deserved. didn't have a uh, crazy group stage, crazy early knockout phase for what he did in the final, like, then yeah. yes, from the spot. But as we mentioned with Sean, picking three penalties up and scoring them all is very difficult. And he deserves, he uh, takes away the uh, the golden ball and the golden boot. Yeah, well deserved. Well deserved. And I think that sees us now through to the end of the AFC Asian Cup there, Nathan. I think it does, Laz. It's been an absolute pleasure to cover off this tournament with you. And a shout out to each and every one of the guests we've had on in the uh, preview and uh, thanks to uh, Sean for coming back to us for uh, a look back at, uh, at Japan through uh, slightly disappointed eyes, I'm sure. Um, but it's been absolute fun. I hope you've enjoyed the tournament, listener. We sure have. And uh, we look forward to uh, international football coming up in uh, a few months' time as it's uh, Europe and South America having a go. Indeed, indeed. Up until then, stay tuned for the regular episodes of The Back Peg and enjoy the football. Now we just got to do the intro. Yes. Can't forget. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>